0: Hi. Additional. Um, today we have with us Dr. Mark Irwin he is the zoo technology program director and a professor of biology at the State University of New York at Jefferson Community College in New York well upstate New York
1: yeah hi I'm Mark Irwin uh, we're in Watertown New York it's like way way upstate almost in Canada
0: and not to be confused I I don't think you're related to Steve Irwin but
2: that would be pretty cool
1: crikey no <laughs>
2: he just got lucky with the last name uh lottery
1: yeah <laughs> and, it's, and it's
0: perfect that it lined up with anything that revolves around like zoo technology or animals in general
1: mm-hmm. yeah if you go far enough back i'm sure we are related
0: could be are your ancestors from australia
1: <laughs> uh, england maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's close enough, yeah, that's close close enough. enough. Yeah. i mean you know england you know inhabited australia so close enough all right um so the purpose of this episode is just It's a special episode. It's not according to any season that we have right now. It's just to give insight on zoo technology and what the importance of zoo technology is.
2: All right. So Mark, so uh, go ahead and just tell our listeners about like what you like a general what you do.
1: So we call it zoo technology, but it's really zookeeping traditionally. So we teach people how to take care of animals. And um, that ranges from domestic species like horses and cows all the way through to the more exotic things like penguins and uh, tigers and things like that.
2: That's so fun. I just got a big smile on my face. What is like, um, so what is like a day, like a normal day look like for you? Like, what do you usually
1: do? Well, for me, I'm primarily a teacher. So I uh, teach on campus sometimes. Sometimes I have a lab. Sometimes I take the students off to zoos or farms or vet clinics. So um, I'm usually off campus maybe four days a week for at least part of the day. So we'll uh, go to Zoo New York here in Watertown, Syracuse's Roseman Gifford Zoo in uh, Syracuse. And sometimes, like I said, vet clinics or farms.
0: Okay. Okay. I have a question. So, of course, we have to ask the question, what is your favorite animal?
1: Oh, you, yeah, you can't ask me that, though, because ah. there's like, it depends on the criteria, right? So if you want the most beautiful, I'd say giraffe, uh, most fun to work with, elephants, if you want to work. Um, it depends. The biggest wow for me would be like dolphins or any any of the cetaceans like that.
2: I've always said that if I were to be any animal, I'd want to be a dolphin. Protectors of the sea.
1: That's a, a life Anti-bullies. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh-huh. No, no.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, the porpoise jokes <laughs>
2: he's mad because i made one on a recent episode
0: it was so bad it was sorry the worst you're a hater joke. it was the worst joke i've ever heard <laughs> so my other question what is the most disgusting thing about being a zookeeper
1: Well, it depends what you like and what you don't like. Um, Some people don't like, you know, that brown stuff that comes out the back end. Some people don't (laughs) like moving that. Um, Other people really don't mind. So um, some people don't want to work with invertebrates or things like spiders. Some people don't want to work with bats or snakes. So yeah, it's, there's there's a lot there.
0: Okay. All
2: right. How long have you been doing this for?
1: I've been at the college for about 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I love my job. I love working with people and uh, certainly getting to go out there and see different animals everywhere and bring students along for the ride is a lot of fun.
2: One of my other questions is how much schooling did you have to go through to get to this point?
1: So you need to go to university and depending on which vet school you go to, you're probably looking at doing four years in university and then another four to go through vet college. Um, I did a little on a fast track. So I was about six and a half. But um, generally you're looking at eight years. Um, Some people do it in more, some people less. Kind of depends on your academic sequencing.
0: That's wild. I do have a question just, so for me, my degree, I'm finishing up my degree in fish and wildlife management, and then it's leading into evolutionary zoology. So would that be able to be like the same thing that you're doing or would I need to do the vet part as well?
1: So if you want to go into zookeeping, you really need to have appropriate experience, appropriate education, and some demonstrated passion because it's pretty competitive. So you have to stand out. So a a degree like that, if you combine it with some practical skills, uh, you know, taking care of animals, that quite often will be what you need to get in.
0: Okay. So I think I might have to
1: do that. There isn't like a set pathway that you have to follow to go into zoos. Um, unlike veterinary medicine or veterinary technology, which is a little different, uh, zookeeping, you pretty much just have to have the right combination of experience, education, and demonstrated passion.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I
1: think I'm on the are right there,
2: um Are there any jobs within working with animals where it takes less schooling, like maybe more of like a tech job or?
1: So yeah, we have like an associate applied science degree. That's what I teach. So it's a, a two-year degree through the State University of New York. And uh, it's a lot of fun, it's very practical. If people want to transfer on for a bachelor's, we encourage them to do that. Uh, What we want to do here with our program is give a very uh, focused training for specifically entry-level zookeepers. So um, our students are going to have only two years of schooling, typically. Uh, We encourage them to transfer, but during those two years, they're going to be learning about animals, doing some science classes, some math and English, And they're gonna be like shoveling, you know, things from behind (laughs) animals, Uh, coiling a hose. You really have to coil a hose well, if you work with animals. So that kind of skill, we kind of do a mix of that theory and application.
2: Cool. Another question I have. So what's like the biggest trip that your job has taken you on? Like any trips to like different countries or like any research programs and whatnot?
1: Um, So I've done some training uh, abroad, uh, South Africa. Um, Ooh. I've been at conferences in like Nepal and India and some places like that. So that's the coolest thing about zookeeping is that unlike a lot of fields where you've got, you know, 30 people down the road that are doing the same thing, you pretty much have to contact people in other countries if you're getting into specialization of any type. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, if you're taking care of marsupials, uh, you have a qual at your zoo, you're probably going to contact the folks in Australia to get some insight or tips on how to take care of them. So uh, it is a very much a global field with only certain cities, even having zoos at all Wow!
0: in getting into the zoo part. So I always, I always preach to people because, you know, you see the videos on Instagram, Facebook of animals in zoos and people are like, Oh, they're being repressed and they're being hurt. They're not living out in the wild, blah, blah, you know, the normal stuff. And I have to explain to people, I'm like, most of the time these animals are in this zoo because they're not allowed to be back into the wild either they're hurt or they're endangered and they still don't understand that zoos are there to protect the animal now some zoos may be bad ones you know they're just doing it for
1: money there's definitely bad zoos out there so i think it's important that when you're looking at going to a zoo look into how they care for it and are they organized do they put a, a uh, importance on animal welfare. If your animals aren't doing well, if you're not caring about their well-being, how they feel and can they exercise and do they have mental stimulation, you're not doing a good job of it. So that's why we need people that come into the field with scientific training to understand how to assess that. You don't want to just look at an animal and say, "Hey, it looks sad." Y- you need to understand that species. They they show their well-being in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So science has to be the foundation of that. And uh, that's the only way we can really know if we're doing a good job. So there's zoos that put that as a priority. If they're an accredited zoo, that means that other zoos are coming to inspect and make sure that they're taking care of their animals well. Um, There's lots of stories of bad zoos. All you need is a license to really start your own zoo. It doesn't mean that you're going to take care of them beyond that basic foundational level. So uh, we really have to keep advancing how we care for these animals. The reason we have zoos is that we're trying to save zoos our animals that are going to extinct. We just don't have enough spaces for them in the wild. So there's a, a lot of um, examples of animals that zoos have saved that would have gone extinct otherwise. Um, things like black-footed ferret, the Vancouver Island Marmot, um, Puerto Rican crested toad. Not a lot of people wanna come and see one, but it's important that zoos are still taking care of those species that otherwise wouldn't stay stay on the planet.
0: See, and if more people knew that, there would be less complaining about an animal looking sad.
2: Hey, I want to come see a toad. <laughs> Just so we know.
1: Yeah, I actually I, need to.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, how? At what age did you realize this was something you wanted to do?
1: I've always loved animals from always. watching you know, old shows like Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom and, and everything ever since I, that's always been my passion. But the thing that I really do like as well is working with people. I, I've had people come into the field saying they want to work with animals in a zoo because they hate people. And that's like the worst reason ever. You need to be able to connect the animals with the people. That's why we have zoos. To educate. Yeah.
0: Okay. Since we're on people, we're on people what sort of visitors do you hate the most when being Tyler zoo? you were such no, a hater no I need to no, know what
2: type of people do you like the most is what you should be asking
0: no we should put hate in there <laughs> no I'm just kidding but what what is your biggest pet peeve when being at a zoo like when people come to a zoo
1: I think it's just the people that really aren't very considerate. And that's, you know, if they're banging and making noises, you can upset animals by doing that. You can upset the zookeepers. You can upset the other guests at the zoo just by doing that. So uh, I just say general, be respectful, be kind. Um, And Sam, to answer your question, the people I love are those kids that when you show them something for the first time, their eyes go like huge and they get to see an animal up close that they've only ever heard about. And uh, that's definitely, I think, the best part of the job.
2: It has to be a very rewarding feeling,
1: yeah. You get some kids that they grew up watching Animal Planet and they know so much. You know, they listen to your podcast, then they go to the zoo and they start asking questions. It, it's really cool to see that that kind of passion and, and hunger for taking care of animals and the habitats that they live in.
0: I think that's why Sam and I got into it. Like I mean, of course, like her and I, we We resonate on the similar, like on a similar scale. Like my whole life, I've never been scared of animals. I'll pick whatever up. I don't care, bug, spider. I don't like
2: spiders. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I don't mean just to get rid of them. I just personally, I don't want to touch it. I
0: don't know. I've just learned not to be scared of them. the The last time I was scared of one, I just picked it up. I was just like, oh, that's not so bad.
1: (sighs) Although people. You definitely want to respect them because some people, they just see them on TV and they think, oh, I can jump in with that animal. And they're really, they're just like people. Um, if you don't know somebody, you don't want to interact with them. So uh, yeah. Maybe I...
2: just take a picture next time, Tyler. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: well, of the spider? I spider? Mean, the... no, no, yeah. no. I, I think the most terrifying spider I've ever seen is technically not even a spider is the camel spider. And I've seen those in Afghanistan. They are fast. And big Little
2: fast boys.
0: Oh. I do want
2: to know. I do want to know, Mark, what is one animal you have yet to work with that you is like your dream animal to work with?
1: I don't know about work with as much, but just to even like see and get up close, um, dolphins, whales. Um, I, I have gone on a whale watch before and, and that's pretty amazing just to see those animals. And it's different. It's the same with zoos. When you get there and you see the animals, you smell them, you have a, a real experience. And uh, we had a humpback whale that swam under our boat and you could tell it just, it just went to the bathroom and the whole place stank right around the <laughs> ocean. Um, That's a memory I'm going to take. And it <laughs> makes you care about them more, even if it does kind of smell bad.
2: I feel like it kind of like, I don't like saying humanizes them, but it kind of like, do you know what I'm trying to say? It kind of just like, it turns them into real things rather than just like, oh, like you see a whale on TV.
1: It's so the difference yeah. between them and dinosaurs or dragons. You know that they're actually there. And they're real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I always see people like ask these questions and I want to see if you'll get it right. You'll probably get it right. I'm sure you'll get it right. And the question was, and this is just for the younger audience. So, you know, so what would you rather be in a room with for 45 minutes to an hour? Would it be a rhino, a Komodo dragon, a silverback gorilla or a lion. What would you choose
1: to be in a room with? I think it depends on the size of the room.
0: Uh, I'm just a normal size kitchen, (laughs) normal size kitchen,
2: kitchen, homie. All
0: right. Normal size bedroom, normal size bedroom. We'll go with that.
1: So that would rule the rhino out, I think, but yeah, generally we don't go in with any of those because they are potentially dangerous and, um, you know, safety first and kind of respect them. So, Generally, I won't find myself in a room with any of those directly. Um, but what am I doing with them? Nothing. Just
0: you have to stay Hanging in there, out. stay in there for an hour, and you win some odd money. It was just like a TikTok <laughs> question, and I know the real answer to it
1: because that I was a right. real answer. Um, so there's a lion, the Komodo dragon, um,
2: silverback what? gorilla,
1: silverback gorilla,
2: and a, and
1: a rhino. I don't know. That's like asking I me feel my like favorite gorilla. <laughs>
2: I feel like gorilla personally, cause I feel like they share so much DNA with humans to where like, they could probably understand body language pretty well. And if you're just like, I'm just chilling here, man, I promise I'm not going to do anything to you. Maybe they'd be able to pick up on that.
1: Let's see what Mark says. I, I think that that's true. I, there's some Komodo dragons that are pretty stoic that people can go in with. Um, you know, I think any of them, it depends on the individual.
0: Yeah. Uh, you are correct though. It is the silverback gorilla. Because they can read body language. And if you just don't like stare at them and like keep your head down. Man,
2: maybe I should switch career paths from marketing to zoology.
0: (laughs) I ain't going in with the Komodo dragon. Those things eat
1: people. Yeah. uh, If the silverback doesn't like you, they've got experiences. Um, I worked with one that just didn't like tall people and he didn't like men. And uh, there's nothing I could do. I sat there throwing grapes to him and he didn't do anything until he finally just went... And then dumped the water on me. So I'm like, it depends on the individual. (laughs) So he just
0: dumped the water on you.
1: Yeah.
2: Man, I love animals. I love animals.
0: That gorilla was like, I'm I'm not buying it. Here
1: you go. That's the thing. You're not working with robots. You're you're dealing with individuals. They have past life experiences. They've got preferences and they can perceive things that you'd never think about, like smells and odors and, and their vision sometimes is way beyond ours, you know, certainly in dark lighting and such. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. They all have
2: their own personalities.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think, I know humans are animals as ourselves, we are animals, but I don't think humans or society, we'll go with society. I don't think they realize That animals are pretty much the same as us. I don't think they realize that. And then when people speak a different language. Yeah. And when people are like, oh, you humanize animals too much. I'm like, I don't think you realize what there's not much of a difference between an us and animals. There's really not that much. And just because I respect them and have feelings for them and respect that they have feelings doesn't mean I'm humanizing it. I'm just treating it as a creature that deserves to be respected. And I don't think people as society understand that.
1: I remember back when I I was young, I had people telling me animals don't really feel or or think, you know, your dog kind of likes you. And it's definitely not the case. They have feelings. They like you. They love you. Um, You know, there's, I think that's well-documented at this point. They do have feelings. They are like us.
2: I was going to say, my last question is what animal do you feel like is the most misunderstood? I know it's kind of a tricky question.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, by reputation with people.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think it kind of varies a little bit. Um, I think a lot of the big scary ones um, get misrepresented. I think a lot of snakes and spiders, those kinds of animals, they get a bad reputation. But um, my Uncle Mufasa always used to say it's part of the circle of life. You have to respect them all and that they all are important on the planet. And uh, I don't know, I think probably the it's the ones with Too many legs or too few. I think they get the bad reputation.
2: I like that.
0: I I like that. I I agree with that. I think mainly for me, sharks and bears are misunderstood greatly. Oh,
2: absolutely.
0: Like deep blue, like the largest great white shark known to man right now. She's chill. She just floats along, does her thing.
2: She's just vibing.
0: She doesn't bother nobody. She's
2: riding the wave.
0: And like brown bears, grizzly bears, I think they're, and black bears, I think they're misunderstood.
2: Aren't brown bears and grizzly bears the same thing? Tyler, we've gone over this. No, they're not. <laughs> there's subspecies. There's any yeah. other questions? There you go. There we go. I'm trying to get into the mind of my mother-in-law. She um, volunteers with our zoo here in Sacramento. And I've been trying to encourage her to get into a program for zoology because she just really likes it. But she's a little discouraged. So I'm like, man, this is going to be the episode for you. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a, it's a lot of hard work, like yeah, there's so much to know. There's no way that anyone on the planet can be a, a full expert and know it all. So mm-hmm. you're basically kind of navigating in this big world. And with our students, we wanna give a, a good solid foundation so they know a little bit about a lot. And then as you go into your career, you're going to probably start to specialize a little bit. You might work with a certain type of taxa like um, hoofstock or you might go into primates, but um, you need that the common foundation But then usually out of necessity, you'll start to specialize a little bit.
0: I never even thought about it that way.
2: You have to be a jack of all trades and then you narrow it down.
0: Now you got me thinking. So if an animal, like I know, I know, and you know, and Sam probably knows too. Like if an animal in the wild or in the zoo was acting aggressive towards you and you had no way of escaping, what would you do? Like, How would you defuse it?
1: In general, you want to get somewhere safe. And usually in most species, you don't want to try to outrun them because they're going to get you really quickly. Mm -hmm. You don't want to, if it's a predator, you don't want to trigger that reaction in them. Right. So usually in most cases, you're going to slowly back up. You probably want to make yourself look big um, and just gently kind of, you know, move off scene. Right.
0: Yep. And I think that's where people misunderstand bears. They're like, oh, just play dead. I'm like, no, that's going to get you killed.
1: I think it depends on the species of bear, too. Um, polar bears would scare me so much. Oh, yeah. They, they know they're bigger, right? And they, they're they not going to get bluffed too easy in, in most cases. But certainly black bears, you just make yourself look big, and yeah. most of them are going to back away.
2: Black bears are sweet little angel babies. They don't want any strife. They just want food.
1: I'm sorry. I'm
0: still not messing with the black bear. I've seen those things climb.
2: Okay, but to to be fair, I grew up in going to Tahoe a lot and there's like neighborhood black bears and like they, most of them up there are just pretty chill. Usually they're just hanging out because dumb humans fed them human food and then they're like just looking for more. But like they're very to themselves.
0: Yeah, I I find them chill. They just mosey along like up here in uh, Fort Drum. You see a lot of black bears on post, just crossing the roads and everything. They're like, Hey, what's up? (laughs) I'm like, you stay over there, man. Stay over there. I I actually thought of
2: one more question. What's your funniest uh, animal encounter you've had?
1: Oh, funny. Well, I mean, for me personally, my sense of humor, um, I was on a dairy farm and if you know anything about dairy cows and, and their feces, it's very soft. And I was, just standing minding my own business, talking to somebody and a cow started going to the bathroom. You know what happens when they cough?
2: Oh man. Oh, no. oh like man. Half an inch
1: coating me from my shoulder down. It was really oh. warm.
2: Oh my oh. gosh. That's, that is pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, it's memorable too.
1: <laughs> I don't want to remember that.
0: Like something I want to keep out of my brain. It's
2: a new type of spa treatment. Okay.
1: (laughs) Moisturizing.
2: The cow caca.
0: (laughs) Disgusting. Mark, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience about the importance that you see in zookeeping or just in general with animals?
1: Well, just in general, we have a lot of species that are going extinct. We have decreasing habitat for a lot of them. So working collectively to to help support those habitats so that animals can live on their own in the wild is really important. And uh, the role that zoos are taking is to connect people and wildlife, make people care more, help them understand the issues that are going on. And within that, it's the zookeepers that are kind of the rock stars of the zoo. They're the ones that are knowing the animals, they're building relationships with them. And um, we have to understand them and care for them well if we're going to keep them. Um and take care of them.
2: Beautifully said.
0: I don't think we have anything else for you know for the show. I think that ended it well.
2: If you guys have any questions, we are going to be uh putting Dr. Mark's email in our description so that you can email him with any further questions you might have. And we do encourage it because he's very knowledgeable. So we get it while well taught.
0: We will also be <laughs> linking his website and Uh, I'm going to get with Dr. Mark Irwin to see what zoos we can put under the link description as well. Maybe if anyone wants to support these types of zoos or donate to them, or even possibly if you live near them, you can go volunteer and work for them.
1: Yeah. Get involved the the zoos. They're there for people. Right. And, uh, so getting involved in in whatever uh, operations they have there, you could be a docent, be an educational volunteer and help out, help communicate and educate the guests that come in. Um, so yeah, that would be fantastic. And, uh, my website zookeeping.com is a quick way to, to learn about the field a little bit.
0: Awesome. So we hope you all enjoyed the episode. This is a very special episode. We're going to try to have Dr. Mark Irwin back on for some more episodes for animals that he would like to choose. Yeah. We're going to have you choose some animals you can come do with us.
2: You're stuck with us now.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're stuck Dr. with us Mark- now.
2: Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's been awesome getting to talk to you.
1: Thank you. It and, was awesome. Uh, I had fun too.
2: Awesome. Well, thank Great. you so much.
1: We will um,
0: We will let you guys know when this episode's going to be up and we're going to send it directly out once it gets done and we'll be good to go. All right. Y'all have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: Have you heard about animals? The educational podcast was written and created by Sam and Tyler. Music was created by Sam, editing done by Alpha Kappa, and artwork done by Simon.